It's amazing, um, you know, not easy to bring people together in unity. And, you know, one, one way we can do that is through praise and worship. And when, when, when we come together and sing in the, the same thing, and our hearts are towards God, that, that's an amazing thing. And that's really uh, an indication of the way we should be all the time and the way we're uh, working with people and doing things together is to be in unity. So I'm, I'm believing for that. Uh, the whole thing in the book of Acts about one accord is one of my top prayer things. It has been for a long time. And to be praying that over this congregation. And what it means the, uh, in the bottom line definition of one accord is rushing together, moving together in unison. And, and that is easier said than done. But it's a work of the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's, it's going to have to take people yielding to God and yielding to the Spirit of God for that to happen. And you have to humble yourself. And uh, not always, uh, you know, we don't live in a humble world. But uh, God is helping us. The Holy Spirit is helping us. Well, I've, I've shared this about the mission world. Um, breaks down our world into two categories. The global north, Europe, North America, Australia. And we've been talking about the decline that's happening there in, in the church. Um, but about the decline not happening in the global south, Asia, Africa, Latin America. In fact, God is moving in unprecedented ways in the global south. And they track this, um, this growth um, by the word movement. And we've shared this over a thousand movements currently being tracked. I'm not talking about just in history moves of God, but they're happening right now. It's a very exciting time to be a believer. And we may not see all that's happening and we're kind of in the dark here in the U.S., but, there's, you know, but we're in touch with uh, other places and other people, and, and it's amazing what's, ha- what's happening there. And, uh, and you can't help but hearing about it to long for it here. Uh, you don't want to be a spectator and watch God doing thing, great things in other places and not do them where you live. And so the definition of a movement, it's a dynamic advance of the gospel, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not man-made. It's not man-manufactured. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit, multiple localities of peoples. It includes large ingatherings of new believers, so there's people being saved, robust, transforming faith, meaning you're going to see change in people. And that's a big testimony, is, is transformation, seeing that in people. That's very attractive to people that are kind of stuck in their lives to see people that are changing and are growing. And in the multiplication, not just addition, but multiplication, there's explosive growth, multiplication of disciples, churches, and leaders. Um, The average movement, I said there was a thousand, over a thousand, has close to a hundred thousand believers, meaning within, you know, I don't know how many years, but uh, new believers coming to Christ. And any of these movements are much larger than the uh, American megachurch. Um, and so it's, it's really a movement of not famous people, but ordinary believers um, taking the Great Commission seriously and applying it in their, in their context. And, 
and it's a lot of no names right now. In fact, we, there's a video that we've watched and we've shared with many of you about in Iran, um, and, and John MacArthur's not going to like this, but um, a lot of the leaders in this movement, in this uh, uh, explosive movement in Iran, a believers coming to, to Jesus uh, and, and led by women. What's she going to do with that? Anyway, I believe that God can use men and women. So I'm, I'm for that. Um, you know, when we start a church in the U.S., we hope and pray we'll make disciples. In the global south, not every church, I mean, but in the global south, they start their churches with disciple makers already who are intent on making more disciples. It's a part of their DNA. It's, it's just how they begin. And so today I want to share some of the factors that is causing the growth in the global south. And I want to start with Matthew um, chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. Here's uh, John the Baptist. In the, those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everybody say, The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, verse 17, Jesus picks up the same theme. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew uses that phrase over 30 times. The kingdom of heaven. Now, what makes something a kingdom? What makes something a kingdom? Well, you can't have a kingdom without royal authority. There has to be a king. And it is vital for the success of any kingdom that those in the kingdom are obedient to the king. If not, you're going to have rebellion, you're going to have uh, division, you're going to have chaos, and obedience brings order. Order, I mean obedience to the the one who's in charge, the royal authority. Now, this is, I think, uh, vital to understand. You need to get this, and we really need to teach it to new believers is God's purpose is to build the kingdom. The church exists to promote and advance the kingdom. And I think that one of the differences between the global north and the global south, and again, I'm talking in general terms, overall, I know there's, you know, different individuals that may not follow this, but I think... In the global south, they are promoting the kingdom of God. In the global north, we're promoting our own kingdom. You see the difference? Promoting his kingdom, advancing the kingdom, doing things to promote the kingdom, as opposed to promoting our kingdom. What do I mean by that? I mean our brand, our group, our denomination. I remember one time um, we were down in a meeting... Um, with uh, some people at our company and we were actually attending two meetings at the same time and uh, we would go to the night meeting at one place and then we went to the day meeting at another for, for a conference that we had signed up for 
And the people at the night meeting were so concerned that we were going to this other meeting because they were a different group and afraid that we might get corrupted. That like our group has it together and that group, we don't know about them. And, you know, and there's just a lot of that in our churches here in the U.S. And it's about a denomination. It's about a building. Um, there was a famous uh, minister uh, meeting at a church here in Augusta, and, and I was invited to that meeting and as a minister. And, and many times ministers will be able to invite it back to like a, a meeting room afterwards for some food and fellowship. And I went back after the meeting, and there was some leaders from this church that were there uh, talking, and they didn't know I was a pastor. And they were kind of talking about things, and they said, well, now that we've got this guy here preaching for us, we're going to get so-and-so next time, and we're going to take this city. And they weren't saying it in a way like, yeah, the body of Christ is going to take the city. Our church is going to take the city. And so when I heard that, immediately competitiveness rises up inside of me. Oh, yeah? Do you know who I am? Do you know who's in your presence? And see, and I think we just have so much of that. You know, uh, for, for unity, and unity has been very difficult in Augusta. We've got a history of disunity. We've got a history of division. We've got to break that if we want to see God move here. Because it's not going to be through one church. It's not going to be through one person. It's going to be a lot of different groups, and it's going to be a lot of different no-names um, doing it, because that's what's happening in the world. Um, but if, you're going to, if you want unity, you're going to have to learn how to submit to each other. You're going to have to learn how to lower yourself. You're going to have to learn how to, to kind of give a little bit and everything's not going to go your way. And, uh, you know, this is good for any kind of teams, you know, or any kind of uh, areas of ministry. I mean, if you're wanting unity, you're going to have to uh, let go of, let go of, you know, I think a lot of the flesh of how you think it should be and let God work. And let God do things. Uh, unity is not easy. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take walking in love. No, do we have to do that? We got to walk in love. Well, see, love is the currency of the kingdom. And what should have happened in that situation when those folks were talking about taking the city? I mean, they should have been saying, we're going to take the city, and I should have been glad that they want, have a heart to take the city for, for Jesus. And I can, I'm going to do all I can to help you do that. And, 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 and unity is a, a helping of others succeed. And where you don't have to get the credit. I don't know, there's some good things being said. I don't know. Uh, So in order for a movement to happen here, we're going to have to be the kingdom of heaven-minded. 
And we have to promote other ministries. We have to be praying for other ministries. Um, and we certainly don't need to be criticizing and tearing down and saying we're better. And, and I don't like to use we're the best. When you say you're the best, it automatically gets people competitive. Oh, yeah, you're the best? I'm the best. And so um, just watch when you're saying that we're the best. But let's look at Romans 10. Romans 10, verse 8. You want to be great in the kingdom? Be a servant of all. Romans 10, verse 8. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. One translation says Jesus is Lord. Jesus as Lord, another one says. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now this word Lord, do a little study on it. In the Greek it means it's a person to whom a person or thing belongs to. It's about the, he that has the power of deciding. It's the master. Lord, the possessor and disposer of everything. The owner. One who has control of the person. The master of a state. The sovereign, the prince, the chief. They used it for the Roman Empire, emperor. It's a title of honor. It's an expression of respect and reverence. And it's one which servants use to greet their masters. And it's the title given to God and to Jesus the Messiah. And so, when we say Jesus is our Lord, that means we are submitting. We're giving our life to him. We're submitting our will to him. We're bowing to him. And, 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 it's, and it's more than, you know, um, I, I want you to be my savior so I can go to heaven. Or I want, to, I want you to be my savior so I can get, get these blessings. Or I want you to be my savior so I can get all the things that I, you know, that I want. And, 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 and this needs to, again, for, for new believers, but it needs to be for all of us, Jesus is Lord. And you enter into the kingdom of heaven by making Jesus the Lord. Everybody say that. Jesus is Lord. Lord. Say, Jesus is my Lord. Lord. And so the kingdom is another way of talking about the lordship of Jesus Christ. And and if he is our Lord, then we we need to obey him in all areas of our life. Growing as a Christian means progressively living out the lordship of Jesus more and more each day. It's submitting ourselves to his will and not to ours. And I just think here in the U.S., I think we've gotten away from that. I think we've got kind of a a mentality of pick and choose. What's convenient? What applies? Looking for scriptures to justify our behavior. And not really thinking on a daily basis about the lordship of Jesus. And, and, not, and what do you want? It's not about what I want, but what about what do you want? How can I be obedient 
to you today. And, and this is a critical factor for the global south right now. And again, not, not famous people, but no names, being obedient. And God blesses obedience. Because what, what, what's happening, you're aligning yourself to his will and submitting yourself to his will. How can the blessings not flow in that situation? But if you're doing your own thing, would, is, does it make sense? If you're, if you're in rebellion, does it make sense for God to bless you? A disciple is a student or an apprentice who learns under the direction of a master. And the goal is to look like the master, think like him, speak like him, and act like him. Now, these are all good things. Is, am I looking like Jesus right now? Am I thinking like Jesus right now? I'm not just talking about when you're at church, but I'm when, more importantly, when you're away from church. Are the things that I'm saying now, is it like Jesus? Are these the words that Jesus would speak? Oh, I'm telling you, we'd be a lot more quieter. Boy, Matt's really being quiet. I got nothing to say. Today, I mean, nothing good to say. Keep your mouth shut. But if I look like him, think like him, speak like him, then I'll act like him. And, and I, think, I think the world is looking for people. They're looking for Jesus. But Jesus is in heaven. And so Jesus is going to be reflected through people. They're looking for Jesus in you. Now, Matthew 28, let's read that. And, and it, this is going to kind of show what, kind of how we've gotten off a little bit. But Matthew 28, verse 16 Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. The Great Commission wouldn't have happened had those folks not been obedient to be there. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's the king. The authority has been given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Kings give commands. And those that are in the kingdom, your job is to follow and obey the commands. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In the global north, we have used the gospel to get people to pray a prayer to go to heaven. And then we teach them our favorite pet doctrines, our brand of Christianity. Be like us. Do these things. Be like us. And we give them knowledge, knowledge, and more knowledge. We give them, you know what I'm talking about. You give them this this set of tapes and this book and this one and... Now, and, and again, knowledge. We need to have knowledge. We need to have understanding. Paul prays about that. But we give them knowledge and knowledge and knowledge and knowledge, hoping that they'll become a disciple one day. 
But the problem is, if I give you knowledge and knowledge and knowledge and keep on uh, pouring it in, pouring it in, and you don't do anything with it, what happens? You just become a fat, sassy Christian. And I think our churches are full of fat, sassy Christians. They give themselves obedient, uh, uh, credit for being obedient by having knowledge of a particular topic. Because I know that, that means I'm obedient. That's a deception. And then what, what else happens? Because of knowledge upon knowledge, and knowledge, it breeds pride. I'm better than you because I know these things. I know these scriptures. Who wants me to continue with this? I would rather have you know less and obey it than know all, you know, all my sermons and all the scriptures and do nothing. And I think that's really the case. Is that right, Frank? Um, you know, so he's saying here in the Great Commission that the whole deal is to obey. But we've, we've heard it to say is to, um, you know, preach doctrine, but to teach people how to obey. To obey Jesus, you must obey his word. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now, now keep in mind here, what does that mean to be founded on the rock? If your life is going to be founded on the rock, what does that mean? But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. Talking about him speaking with authority. But what's the... so, So we have the house. I used to just, like, think that it was... The one that was built on the rock was the one that heard the word. And the one built on the sand didn't hear the word. But that's not what it says. The one that's built on the rock is the one that hears the word of God and does the word of God. And the one that's built on the sand, isn't it? And it's not talking about even being lost. It's talking about people hearing the word of God and not obeying it, not doing it. And I think this is the crux. This is the crux crux of the problem that I think we're facing here. We've heaped upon knowledge, knowledge, and knowledge, and knowledge, and, and it's just coming so fast, we don't even have time to process it. And then, but we've not applied it. And we've not kept each other accountable in uh, applying it. And, and so, you know, we long for transformation and change. We're not going to have change until people start obeying the Word of God. Because when you start obeying the Word of God, you're going to begin to align yourself with God and God's plans. 
And it's, you're going to be saying every day, hey, this is not about me. This is not about me getting my way. This is not about me looking good. This is about him looking good. I don't care if anybody knows about me. I'm making you look good. And this church, the people of this church, we got to be founded on the rock. Hearing and doing. And so keep this in your mind every day. Every day be thinking, you know, here's things to be thinking about every day. The kingdom of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. That's hard though, you know, going to school, homework. I know your mom has you cleaned. I mean, other, all that. It's hard to think that we're in the citizen, uh, citizens of heaven. You got you to be meditating and thinking about these things and keep them before you. So I'm in the kingdom of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. Jesus is my Lord. And if he's my Lord, I submit to him. I'm not doing my own thing. And again, you know, we're not going to be as perfect as him, but we should at least try. And we can't give ourselves credit based on what we heard 20 years ago. And we're not better than anybody else. Believers, that's not part of uh, being a believer. You're better than everybody else. That's the world's ways. The best, better. Now I'm going to just read through real quickly some things from, from the Gospel of John. And realize... So the Great Commission, I mean, it's like the last thing he said to the disciples. Now I want to read what Jesus said at the Last Supper and just read some of these. And and it's very clear what I'm saying here about obedience. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper and he may abide with you forever. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. See, what comes from the obedience, we can look at those things. There are blessings. But I think we want the blessings without the obedience. We want the blessings without by, by doing our own thing. We want to do our... <laughs> We want to do our own thing and have the blessings flow. That's what it is. John 14, 23. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Let me just slow down here a little bit. Verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Hmm. That's pretty convicting there. That's a tough one. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire 
and it shall be done for you. All of John 15, you ought to spend some time there this week in John 15. It's just talking about being connected to the vine and that we can do nothing without him and there's no way we can bear fruit without him. We can do nothing for the kingdom without him. John 15, verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, Jesus was obedient. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. Jesus came to do the will of the one who sent him. He didn't have his own plan. He had the will of the Father, and he submitted himself. And, and not only that, but he submitted himself so much so by going to the cross. I mean, that is, that's amazing uh, submission. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. Oh, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, all the commands, I mean, there's one central command and a lot of sub-commands. The main command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then if you're going to love him, then you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you just keep, so we're thinking about, okay, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. Jesus is my Lord. He's my example. One of the things I need to keep before me then is the whole love walk. And it is really the the test to see if you're obeying the commands is if you're walking in love. And when you're getting out of love, you're getting out of his commands. And we're getting out of his will. If we trust God... If we truly believe him, we'll accept that what he tells us to do is is what's best for our lives. If our opinion differs from the word, we are the one in the wrong. We need to submit even when our emotions and our feelings, emotions and feelings are strong. We can be led by our emotions. We can be led by feelings. That's why you got to know the word. You got to know it. Okay, you're not going to like this one either, okay? I'm going to try to tie it up in a really nice little sweet bow today, if I can. Just let me say a couple other things. When we do our own thing, we are saying to God, we know better how to live this life. And that's what the world's doing. And the Bible says the wages of of sin is death or misery. But it isn't a shame then, but if we live our lives in misery, we shouldn't. Christianity is not about me. The gospel is not to be used to get what I want. And obedience is the foundation to discipleship. So if I'm going to say, I've said a lot of things to you about the global south. Um, 
they start their churches um, with disciples already. They have a kingdom mentality, the global south. Kingdom mentality, advancing the kingdom, not advancing my kingdom. And then they have an understanding that Jesus is Lord and that if Jesus is Lord, then our part as, as sons is to be obedient and to follow him. Now, when this happens, this is when some fun things begin to happen. Romans 12. Romans 12. You guys doing okay today? Do I need to tell some kind of a joke right now? Or touch it when we tell a story? I'm not good at jokes. My brother Pat, he had a joke for every occasion. And I just know, I mean, he just has one of those minds. And I, 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 don't, I, I really I don't have one joke. <laughs> I, uh, I used to, uh, back when I was in uh, state school in Minnesota, I'd buy all my clothes at this, uh, uh, like a Salvation Army kind of place. And I used to wear real bright clothing at the time. That was kind of in, you know. I was a, a student leader, and so I'd have all these different things. And so I bought this bright red jacket. I'm not trying to see if anybody, nobody really has this. On the, it's, it's like a bright red jacket. And it was just really, and it had gold buttons, and it was almost really too much. So I never wore it. But my brother Pat really liked it. And so we went out to this uh, really nice, fancy restaurant, and he wore that jacket. And then, so... During our meal, he gets up and takes his napkin, which is a white napkin, puts it over his arm, and goes over to the next table and bends down like he's the waiter and asks, is there anything I can get for you guys? How is the service today? Okay, that's my joke. We have a lot of jokes like that now. You found Romans 12? Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. Our lives, a living sacrifice. Holy devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. That's who we are. I mean, we're to give ourselves. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. We're to give ourselves as a sacrifice to God. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to his external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed. Man, I long for transformation. Don't you? I long to see in the church the transformation that we saw and we see in the Bible. The madman in Gadara, Zacchaeus, 
I mean, a whole list of different folk. I mean, look at Peter, Paul, that kind of transformation, and not just a one-time thing, but continual transformation. Don't you long for that? But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, in, in giving ourselves as a sacrifice, in, in renewing of our mind, which the Word does that, it washes our mind, it cleanses our minds. But it's all about so that we may prove for ourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Will of God. And it's about, so it's about transformation. Transformation comes from obedience, but then transformation leads to obedience. And it's really what the world is looking for. They're looking for that transformation. They're looking for the real deal. That's why they're looking for all these, all these things, you know, uh, on the shopping channel or whatever else, all these other things to give them what the gospel gives them. But it brings transformation. Biblical transformation is not just not conforming to the world's thinking, but it requires renewing our minds. And when we renew our mind, what begins to happen is we begin to internally align our lives with God's will. When I got saved in uh, 1982, my life was a mess. Uh, particular summer, really depressed, uh, contemplated suicide, um, drinking heavily, you know, so many different things. And, and came from a good family and it had education and had a good job. I was making money. I had money in my bank account, really more than other folks. But just something inside of me was um, um, hurting and just pain. And I, I think the alcohol, I think some, many of you know what I'm talking about, is just to cover that pain. You're just trying to cover that up. And so when I got saved, I began to just immerse myself into God's Word. And, and I don't know where I learned it, but about applying the Word and doing the Word. And I had such a strong passion to do God's will. And, and that's what led me to two missions trips, uh, one in the United States, San Diego, one to the nation of Panama, but then eventually to Oral Roberts University, which is really crazy for a Midwestern Minnesota Catholic boy to end up at Oral Roberts University. It's, it's, the way I grew up was just so different than that. But that transformation in me led to like, okay, Lord, what do you want? Because at that time, my ambition was politics. I said, uh, ran for homecoming king as a, uh, a sophomore. And in, in my, on my, uh, when, you, when they went forward, you know, we're in a big auditorium, all these people. And as you're going up there to the platform, they're, they're saying a little bit about you. And one of the questions was, what do you want to be in 10 years? 
And I said I wanted to be governor of Minnesota. And all my heart's desire at that time was politics. I, uh, 18, I went to the, uh, uh, one of the, the political conventions in town. I was involved in uh, politics on campus. I ran for student senate, all these different things. I was studying political science. It was all about politics. But when I got saved, and, and, and I felt like that was where I could do the most good. But when I got saved, all my desires, they ch- changed. My desires began to, about, to be about, Lord, what do you want? What do you want me to do? And it led to ministry. I felt I was called to ministry. And that led me to ORU. And, and what an amazing, I mean, it was a big journey to get there. A lot of things in order to get me there. A lot of miracle testimonies. But when you're aligned, those miracles flow. And, but think about what, what happened. Meeting Susie in one of the, the Holy Spirit in the Now class. My name's Judd, her last name's Kennedy. And all that she did to get there following God. She was following God, I was following God. Then we got connected. And I, I didn't know it, uh, one day that we would be pastoring together, doing ministry together. But it's got, God's leading. God's got a plan. But that same transformation that he had for me back then, he has for me now. Yes. But the big question is, do I want to be obedient? And that's the question that we're all uh, having to face today. And, and, I, and, and it's not an easy one to answer. And I think... Uh, the problem is a lot of us give ourselves credit for it. But let me ask you. This would be really good. I don't think I want to do it, though. I'll just say, hypothetically, wouldn't it be cool if we could just ask each other Am I being, do you think I'm being obedient? Oh, how about this question? Do you think my life reflects Jesus? Or how about this question? Do you, do you, would you say I'm a hearer and a doer of the word? I can't think of any other questions. I don't want to think of any more questions. If we're obeying the commands, then we, we're walking in love. That's a good question. How, how's my love walk? Am I walking in love? The things I'm doing on a daily basis and... and I, and again, I'm not saying for us to go around and call each other on it. I don't know if we have those kind of relationships. But certainly close people, we should be able to call things on each other. Hey, what's going on? You're, you're acting out of character. What, what's, what's happening here? This is, this is not you. But the good news is, 
today, and, and this is where I'm wrapping up with a nice little bow. Because we're not going to be able to do it perfectly. It can only, obedience really can only happen through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. For us to really obey the commands, to know and understand the commands, it's only going to ha- happen through the Holy Spirit. And so really, it's going to come down to like, you're giving yourself, giving your mind to the Word, you're giving your, your body to God, um, opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit. But as you do that, the Holy Spirit is going to come in, He's there, and He's going to give you the desires from God. Then He's going to empower you to live this out. So that's the good news, is you don't have to do this under willpower or to do this under your own strength. Is the, are you seeing the boat? So this is the good news. And the good news is Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now listen. For God is working in you, giving you the desire. You hear in this, Corey? God is working in you. So your job, be open. Working in you. (laughs) 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 But God is working. (laughs) Is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The Holy Spirit's going to empower us. But now here's the beauty of it all. When, when we obey him, transformation will come. And it's going to be evident. And, and that transformation is going to lead to more obedience. But what that transformation does is it's the light of Jesus. This is really what transformation is. Transformation is becoming more like Jesus. That's really what it is. And so when you're becoming more like Jesus, that means the light of God, the love of God is shining brighter. And, and so what's going to happen, and this is what's happening, really what's happening in other nations. What we want here is, so that light is shining bright. It's going to be more attractive to the lost. And they're going to say, I want that. You're talking to them. And you're just being nice to them and offering to help and bless them. And they're, they're like, man, what? this is like, because this is the Holy Spirit's doing something. And this is where transformation, where you become, you be, become like Jesus, more and more like Jesus. Uh, Jesus is expressed more and more from you, and it's going to be attractive to the world. And I, and I think that's how we're going to reach him. That's how we're going to have a movement here in Augusta. But today, and, and so I'm looking at myself. I'm looking at my family. I've been uh, really challenged by this. We've been doing some of these discovery studies, and, and, you know, here I am, the pastor. I'm supposed to know it all. 
And, and the hard part is doing it. We could talk about it all day, and, and, we, and we, we should, but the hard part is doing it. And, and that's where we need to help each other, is to be the kind of church, we're going to be the kind of church where we're going to be obedient to the Word and do what it says. And we can do that. I mean, that, that we're going to be in alignment and then the power of God is going to flow like never before. It's already flowing. We're seeing a lot of great things. I mean, we could say it's been good and go home. But God's got so much more. And, and we've got so much potential because of the knowledge that we have. We have a lot of knowledge. If I have to say about the second half of the church, we've been, we're at 24, the next 24 years, it has to be in the application then. We're going to keep on preaching. We're going to keep on teaching. All those things. But with an emphasis on applying. And then the love. This should, this, this should be a place of love. This should be a place of love. And, but then the more important thing is, what do we do when we walk out of here? I mean, love goes over to the furniture store. Love goes over to K2. What's it called, K2? In motion? Yeah. Love is there. Over in the uh, Frank and Rhonda's neighborhood. You got love over there. All right, I could keep on talking, but I won't. It's 12.02. You guys did good today. Working out. You had your physical workout. Now we're having our spiritual workout. You can stand. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. We, we're, uh, Lord, we're in a time of transition here. Lord, I'm asking you to help us. Help the people of good news. Help them to get it. Help them to see it. Let it not just be more sermons um, stacked upon sermons. Lord, may, may we today say, how can, and be thinking about it even right now, how can I apply this message today? How can I be obedient to this today? And then in your, in your, your study time, this, you can go through some of the scriptures I read today, but in your study time this week, be thinking, how can I obey this? How can I build my life on the rock? How can I do this today? I am a citizen of heaven. Jesus is my Lord. Today, I'm going to obey him. Today, I'm going to do His will. Wherever I go, I'm going to be His ambassador. I'm going to be His representative. And I'm going to reflect Christ wherever I go. Thank you, Lord. I'll reflect Jesus in our schools. I'll reflect Jesus in the government offices, out of the base, at, at the Walmart. I mean, wherever, wherever we go to reflect Him. And I'm telling you, people are so desperate. People are so fearful. People are so 
lost. I'm talking about even believers. They need this Jesus. And we have, we have the, the light, the love of God in us. Let's just let it out. So I just thank you this week, Father. I just thank you for empowerment here. I thank you for empowerment of believers to give life. I thank you for opportunities to minister. But even in our homes, Father, just to change this week. Homes of love. Homes of grace. Homes of obedience. Homes of encouragement. Strife, you've got to go. Fear, you've got to go. Lack, you've got to go. But the life of God to come into our families, to come into our marriages. We thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to um, share something along these lines. I don't think that we can really obey God just on our own. I think, um, you know, when Matt was saying maybe we should ask each other these questions, that really just resonated with me because the reality is that we don't often see what we're doing. And the people around us know better if we are, I mean, they actually, it'd be bold, it'd be a bold move to ask your loved ones and your family, how you, you know, what do you, what, what's your input? But they know us oftentimes better than we know ourselves because we're just judging by our intentions and they see actually the fruit. They eat the fruit of our lives, you know. You know, I, um, you know, just to um, share for a moment, just a little um, encouragement for you. For me, one problem in my life has been my mouth. Now, I know y'all don't know that. <laughs> but, you know, I could be, if I gave myself to it, I could be a really mouthy person. Sarcastic just mean, I mean, just mouthy. And um, talk about change. That's been something God's just had to work in my life to change because it's been a challenge for me. But one gift that God has given me is he's put people around me in my life who will call me out. And one of them was Matt Judd. And he'd just be like, don't, he won't put up with it or he'll leave the room, you know. Thank you. And then for some reason, I don't know exactly how this developed in our family culture, but for some reason our kids feel a very, um, very open environment that they can just call me out on whatever. Um, I, don't, I don't know if your kids are like that, but mine are. And they just like will say, Mom, just that's enough of that. And... Um, you know, particularly Grayson, honestly. Um, I, I haven't, couldn't even tell you how many times he said to me, um, you know, you don't have to get affirmation from me. Jesus has already affirmed you. Oh, thanks, son. Appreciate that. Feeling, feeling really good right now. No, Mom, I'm serious. We all love you. You don't, you don't have to try to, you know, like get us to affirm you. Thank you. Thank you, son. Um, it's really hard to talk about people around Grayson. Our son-in-law, Matt Stevens, Matt and Maddie came to live with us uh, about a year, about 15 months ago, I guess it's been now. You can't get, my son-in-law, I spent a lot of time with him. 
we, he calls it table time. We have breakfast together every morning. And you can't get him. There's just no room there to talk bad about anybody. He just, you can't. In his presence, you just can't talk about people. He just will, something about him. It's been so convicting. It's really helped me, y'all, to have people in my life who don't put up with my crap. Not because they're being mean or whatever. They love me. These people love me. And they're, and they're saying, you're better than this, Sue. That's what he calls me when I'm, you know. Not because I'm better, but because Christ in me is better. And I, I just want to just say that to all of us. You're, I'm not releasing you to go out of here and go judge people. I'm releasing you to go out of here and listen to people. I'm not saying go and go and tell others, I'm, uh, you know, jump on other people. I'm telling you to go and listen to what other people would say to you. Maybe invite some, uh, some words. Invite some, you know, love your way. Because I'm better for it. God works in us and through us, but sometimes there's something about having a community of people who love you, who will speak truth to you. But they do it with grace, and you know that they have your best interest at heart. And they're just speaking to you from the heart of God. And what's so hard is when they say it, it was already, you know, the Holy Spirit was already convicting you. He's just a little easier to override sometimes than the people that are around you, you know. We've gotten pretty callous to him, y'all. I can just go right over him. But sometimes he's so gracious, he sends other people to speak to us and to say, hey, come on, that's not even who you are. And that, that's the key. It's not who you are. These things are not even who you are. Hallelujah. Now everybody's going to line up so they can tell me off this morning. <laughs> That's all right. I can, I can hear it. God is good to us. Amen. Change is awesome. Transformation is wonderful. Hallelujah. You know, uh, just along that line, you know, we live... We live in what our, my daughter-in-law over here has coined the compound. Thank you for that. Very cult-like. And um, there, there's three generations, four families. We live there together. And we have peace and we have harmony and we have love. And we never, ever, ever have a crossword between us. I mean, we love each other. And part of the reason is we submit to one another. And if there's some input we need... We get it. And that's how God desires it to be for all of us. No crosswords between us, just love abounding. And that's for you and yours, in your house, in your life, in your family. But it wouldn't be that way if God had not been working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Because I'd have messed it up and everybody be running from me and my fork and tongue. <laughs> you know what I mean? My wicked mouth set on fire of hell if I hadn't just let him work in me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You've been so gracious and kind to us. So, so gracious and kind. So, so gracious and kind. Long-suffering you've been with me, with us. 
Thank you for that. Hallelujah. Well, I think we're going. To, uh, do we have anything else here? I think I think we have had enough. Terry. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to take a moment. We're going to have our next steps class right now. That is for anybody who's new to the church um, and you want to get more information or learn, um, you think you might want to consider being part of this church. This is where you go and and learn what that means and how to do that. Um, It's just for information. There's no commitment involved. It's just about getting more information. And um, so we'll just dismiss you right now. You just go out this door to the last room on the right and um, they'll... You'll be in there for a few minutes and then come out. The rest of you, I encourage you to maybe love on one another. And um, we have um, refreshments in the atrium. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just come before you humbly today. Don't let us forget what you've spoken to us today. I know you've been dealing with all of us on the inside. You've been dealing with us heart to heart. We ask you, Father, to bring these things back to our remembrance so we don't neglect what we've heard so that we may do what we've heard. Thank you for that. Father, I pray for us as we leave this place that we will go out as lights in a dark place. We give you our permission to use us. Prompt us. Speak through us. May we, may we bring your healing power. May we bring your love. May we bring your compassion into this world. Lead us to the people who need you the most. Lead us to the people this week who are open to you. And once again, we reaffirm what Jesus said when he sent out his followers, nothing shall by any means hurt us. And we praise you for that today.